0: Ladies and gentlemen, don't get too comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Bart. And this is Matt. About.
1: Movie. Da, da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah! the whole world got crazy! Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings, and then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week. Don't worry, my friends. We will give you plenty of warning when we head into spoiler territory. Make sure you stick around for the end of the show for our weekly recommend, and make sure you check out our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Brian, this week's chosen movie of the week is...
2: This week we're going to be talking about David Fincher's *Gun Girl*. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott, disappeared three days
1: ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. So,
0: like last week, guys, with *The Equalizer* and Denzel Washington, this is uh, the first David Fincher movie we have done on the Mad About Movies podcast. Seems yeah, weird. That is weird. We've talked about *House of Cards*, I believe, a couple a couple of times. Yes. Yep. Oh, we haven't done an years. episode,
1: though, right? Haven't or,
0: done an episode. That's uh, long overdue at this point, and I realize that. You know, I, I, I'm I'm, go, I'm looking at my uh, filmography
1: here because I would love uh, to make a joke. I, you know, I like the jokes, and I want to say, right. well, um, we did an episode on, you know, X bad movie, but David Fincher does not really have a bad movie. Yeah. You yeah. can't <laughs> really make fun of it. The only thing I can tell you is when I Googled David Fincher, it came up David Finfrock, local <laughs> wow. Dallas-Fort Worth Oh, Me, Weather Legend. You're, you're, yeah, Weather Legend. <laughs> yeah, so Channel 5, NBC5.
0: There you go, Finnfrock. <laughs> Moving on up, bro. After 50 years in uh, the local TV weather guy gig. So uh, there's that. Maybe it's just because you yourself Google David Finn Frock, the weather guy. Definitely, and it just, I just
2: automatically suggests that. I you. assumed you were going to bring up FinFrock as your American Treasure nominee later. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm Troy Duncan until I die. You guys
0: are. <laughs> uh, rival weather, guys. Nothing better. Than local. We're really – for all of our <laughs> yeah. listeners in Romania and Australia. Yeah, everyone
2: and is tuned out now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hot FinFrock talk.
2: <laughs> FinFrock. <laughs> uh,
0: as Brian mentioned, I'm excited about American Treasure nominees coming to the table. Uh, it is October. We do it once a month. We each bring nominees to the table to induct into our Hall of Esteemed American Treasures. And so that's coming up a little bit later. Of course, our review of Gone Girl, and of course, great, awesome, stellar weekly recommends. But before we do that, guys, let's do a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumbling. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Uh, Richard Barton.
1: Yeah, we have some uh, some interesting news out of the Marvel uh, world. We have confirmation from the star of Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Have you guys heard of him? Or him? Are you familiar? I know his uh, name vaguely. Okay, vaguely. Yeah, I know you're a big Robert Downey Senior and <laughs> Matthew Downey, his <laughs>
0: lesser known brother, fan. Yeah, friend. But uh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. has confirmed. Is he the one who plays Man- the piano that was on American Idol? Yes. No, that's Harry Connick. Okay, no, Harry Connick yeah. Jr. Okay. Sorry. <laughs>
1: They're brothers. I thought Robert I get them confused Jr. is Harry Connick time. Jr. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All the They're juniors brothers. are related. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh,
0: <laughs> Cal Ripken junior
1: Yeah, go, Ken, go. ahead. Ken Norton Jr. Um former <laughs> Cowboy great. Uh so.
0: most obscure reference, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> so we have uh we have confirmation that Iron Man 4 is in development they're in the middle of negotiations according to Downey, he says the quote is i know there's going to be some more marvel movies and they have big ideas on how to do it best uh and then he said we're in the middle of negotiations blah 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 so um robert downey is set to to become even richer and uh and uh, and it looks like we're getting more Iron Man because you, you know as you guys know and the listeners may or may not know uh, that was like a what a, a five picture deal and for Downey and I think that ends with Age of Ultron correct
0: yes correct
1: so he will have to sign a new deal and it, it will be multi picture if if um, you know they're going to try to get him in on Avengers if if uh, he does Iron Man so uh, but that's good that they're you know it's it's it whether you're an Iron Man fan or not I think most people are. It's, it's good news if you're a Marvel fan that those movies you – know, these movies are going to be continuing because Iron Man is kind of you know, the second biggest franchise aside from Avengers and is really kind of the you know, the genesis of the whole thing. So if they're going to keep making Iron Man movies, I would assume they'll keep making you know, other movies as well and we'll go into stage three and four and five and then uh, we'll get into Land Before Time territory, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Brian, I'm going to let you talk here in a second, but I just want to say it would feel weird to at this point recast Iron Man. This late into this storyline, you know, until you do a complete reset of what they're doing here with Thanos and uh, the Tesseract and and all of the above, Hydra, etc. It would just feel weird to not have Downey. Surely they're going to keep this cast together for the next, I don't know, till 2020, you'd think. I think it was probably another three movie deal, another trilogy, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's interesting uh, to see, like, what they're um, – and I, I I don't see why they would need to have one. But you have to wonder if they have an exit strategy at some point when these movies stop, right? Right.
0: Because – Well, the strategy is just reboot it. Yeah. You would think, you know, get a new Iron Man, get a new uh, Hulk, you know, all that. Captain America, of course. Uh, but I'm saying, like, until Avengers 3 at least, possibly, you know, one after that or a new – Iron Man trilogy, it would just feel weird to to break up to, or to recast even Captain America at this point, or Thor, or Iron Man. Like, they need to keep that group together.
1: And they, they're making... They so got away with
0: one uh, recasting Hulk as Mark sure. Ruffalo. Yeah. You know, and, they really uh, did get away
1: with one. And the Terrence Howder, Howard, Don Cheadle changeover as well. That's a
0: character I wish would just... Stop yeah. already. Uh, yeah. They need to – Don Cheadle needs to be in no more Marvel movies. But uh, sure. Brian, go ahead.
2: This is the only superhero within the Avengers that you really cannot replace with anybody else because Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, is Iron Man. I think right. uh, I think you could recast Thor, although we all love Chris Hemsworth. I know you could recast Chris Evans. Clearly you can recast uh, Incredible Hulk. Uh, you You can't – there's nobody else really to play – to play that character, so you know, and and I, we here were not all that high on Iron Man three. It had some really good moments and kind of deteriorated down the stretch. I think um, yeah. it's a fine film. I've I've watched it a couple of times since it came out, and and it's it's fine. But I don't think that detracts from a that's a major bankable pr- uh, property on yeah. top of the Avengers property, and B it's good. They're they're good movies, and you can pretty much depend on. That uh, that part of the Marvel Universe being uh, being quality each time out, which I don't know that you know we can't say the same thing about Thor, <laughs> obviously because I really didn't care for Thor too, and uh, I don't know that Incredible Hulk is going to get another feature within mm-hmm. uh, within the universe. Captain America is great, but anyway, uh, Iron Man has I think a little bit more uh, credibility almost above sure. any of the other standalone. Marvel films. So well, I'm, I'm, this is all good for me.
1: That almost works against it, though. In, in In this respect, in that it is quality and it is good and it is respected, especially the first film and parts of the second two. That you know you, you become you t- you look at something like the Dark Knight trilogy, which definitely had a beginning and an end, was an overall arc, and those made a ton of money too. But because they were sort of heralded and 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 serious minded, mm-hmm. that there needed to be. There needed to be an endpoint to where the quality would not dip down. Right. And um, that was always my issue with like the Twilight movies is, uh, you know, they were making a billion dollars every time and they're terrible. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, why not just make 30 of them? Or do you not like money? It's not like they're going to get worse. I mean, they're clearly bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so, but Iron Man and the Marvel Universe. You know, it's not something that's a critical complete darling like the Dark Knight trilogy, but it's good. And so you walk this fine line of just keep cranking these out and eventually the quality will decline. Right. Or do we do we know when to get out? And Iron Man's right on that thing, right? Where it's like just good enough where you can keep making them, but it's also good enough to where you kind of almost want to see it end sure. so that it's contained. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and,
2: absolutely. And yeah.
1: so uh it's 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 interesting to me. This is why this fourth is kind of interesting to me that they're going to keep they're obviously going to keep trying to, to churn them out um and uh so anyway it's, it's there might be another rehab um pro, you know robert downey jr's career with, com, was completely rehabbed by this yeah. have you heard the rumor of who may direct iron man for
0: no i haven't no. is there one
1: there is one rumor and Downey is pushing for it and that doesn't mean it'll happen but yeah. it is rumored that mel gibson would def- oh, I heard yes. that yeah 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 so i mean Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that could be cool. Yeah, that could be cool. I mean, he knows story structure, as as uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have said. So, uh,
0: (laughs) surely they have at this point, and part of this new deal with Downey, I'm sure that's you know being finalized or whatever. Surely they had to have thrown out, hey, eventually you're going to cross over with Guardians, just so you know that that's coming. Like, sure, I'm sure Downey was like, hey, I want to, I want my character to be to cross over with them at some point. I, I remember Downey went on the record. This past summer, saying that that uh, Guardians was the best Marvel movie that's come out so far, yeah. and so. he
1: more than any of the stars of those films because he, you know, is the beginning of that universe. Um, and they did take a chance on him, but he also made that movie and made that character in so many ways. I think he has more input than any of the other actors. You yeah, know? and he yeah. he I think they look at him look to him as a, as an advisor in a way. I know. You know, they hired Shane Black because of what Downey thought of him on on Kiss Kiss and Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, rather. So that's interesting. I I don't know. But uh, it is interesting. They're going to go, I don't know if it'll be, you know, sign on for Iron Man 4 plus Avengers 3 and and do it that way. Or if it's going to be another four or five picture deal. Um, If it's a four or five picture deal, you know, that locks up Downey just on a time crunch
0: for for a considerable amount of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, they are walking a fine line here. Uh, you don't want it to go full Transformers and just be something that's not even worth anything story-wise anymore. and It's just mm-hmm. a pure money machine. Uh, you always take that risk, I guess. But there's always a chance that, say, a series like Toy Story, they're, they're scared of the same thing. Like, well, we don't want to make another one because the last one was so good. Well, you could always say that. And then, you know, they said that about Toy Story 2 and then Toy Story 3 comes out and it's – Arguably yeah. the best one. So and they said that about to Tokyo Drift. High. Oh yeah, cool. Well, exactly. <laughs> they said that about Tokyo Drift. Here we are. The is about yeah. to come out. So there you so, go. There you go. <laughs> Point proven. So uh, so there's our there's our Marvel. Uh, there's, there's one cool one more bit of Marvel news we should go over in this. Okay. If we're still talking Marvel here, absolutely. Uh, we always thought on this show, and we had talked about it previously, that Doctor Strange was coming down the pipes, and um that Joaquin Phoenix have been confirmed. Apparently that's not true. Apparently that was just on the rumbling side of things. Ah, uh, rumblings! So you guys will be happy to find out. And we talked about this gentleman uh, just a few months ago, actually, who has confirmed the role of Doctor Strange is the one Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Boom. Doctor Strange. So, boom.
2: I love what they're doing uh, casting-wise with this just because it's been such an interesting, we got it was like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Fassbender, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, then Joaquin Phoenix, and now Ethan Hawke, like, Jared, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, um, any of those. Okay, yeah. Johnny oh, yeah. Depp was
0: the first one.
2: I don't like. I don't like that way, idea. Way, way Since that one,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I know, but it was one of the. You know rumors. what I mean? Yeah, but
2: I know. I, 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 are you too. wearing a crow on your head? <laughs> God. Uh, no, I think I, I like what they're doing here. I don't know what the property is going to look like, obviously. And, uh, you know, it could totally be a bust. But I think they're going in the right direction casting wise. They're trying to get somebody, not just a big name, but somebody who is an interesting actor on top of that.
1: They couldn't afford I heard that Disney I – I know Disney and Marvel. Marvel – um, print money and are, you know, the most lucrative production studio in Hollywood, probably. Uh, but they said they just could not afford um, Johnny Depp's scarf budget. Because <laughs> he expenses
0: those scarves.
1: Right, and exactly. It's just, you can't, I mean, the, the, the you just can't make the numbers add up. Anyway,
0: yeah, no, that's true. I, I think it's a good fit. Uh, I think he's sort of on that, in the same vein as those actors that we've mentioned, though. Oh, totally. As far as skill set. In personality-wise, what he can bring to the character, I think. Uh, good fit. I'm excited about it. Having him don't in this be, universe is exciting.
1: Don't be surprised here. I'm going to go out on a limb here with a prediction. I'm not sourced. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just going out on prediction. Don't be surprised if someone else besides Joaquin Phoenix is cast as Doctor Strange. And don't be surprised if Joaquin Phoenix is still in Doctor Strange.
0: Ah. And, ah. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. And it an adversarial know, role. Who do you know?
1: I'm just saying, <laughs> don't don't be surprised at that.
0: Like him playing the villain, you mean? Maybe. Or hmm. just a fun, goofy sidekick. Ah, <laughs> I, I go for the latter. I yeah. prefer the latter. Actually. It's between
1: him and Chris O'Donnell. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they could have. They can afford his earring budget. So, <laughs> we'll
1: have to see. These quotes has gone up since NCIS Los Angeles or whatever he's on. Yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> By the way, after listening back to our pod uh, last week when we talked about Charlie Cosmo Cormo- for uh, quite a while, I think I'm going to start every week just bringing a new celebrity from the Great 90s. idea. Do it. Do just, it right now. Just, okay. All right. I'll start next week. So look forward to that, dear listener. Every Here's- week I'm going to try and bring a, a new celebrity. Uh, Somebody from our past, and uh, just let you know where they're at in case you don't have Google and you yeah. or don't know how to use it and can't figure it out. Surely
0: anywhere. you can come up with somebody right now, Brian. You can't tease <laughs> us like this for another oh, week. I Surely got a. Surely you bit. got a random name.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> research. I've got a bid here. So on these, I watch. You know, the only CBS I watch is like Letterman or football. And during the football, they have these ads for the new NCIS New Orleans,
0: right? Yeah,
1: and you know, CBS. Say what you want about them, produces very. Um, television shows with very high ratings, right? But I don't think they have their their finger really on the pulse of America in, ter- in terms of who and who isn't a star, because they say things like it literally talks about you know in New Orleans there's a lot of black magic and voodoo and only one team can bring everyone down and then the whole <laughs> screen pauses and they go Scott bacula. <laughs> like, yeah is he is he famous still like is that like you would think they were like getting like they had just gotten clooney. george clooney yeah. to agree to do a you know <laughs> come back to his er roots but it's scott Bakula. it cracks me up every time because they make like the screen literally pauses and they just zoom in on scott Bakula, who's fine but i mean ask a 19 year old kid who scott Bakula is and uh, you know uh and they just zoom in on him, and just the name comes across the screen. It's it's, it's hysterically <laughs> funny every time. He's got to be confused
0: by it. And, and TV-related news, fellas. Sort of movie-TV crossover news here. We don't get a lot of this uh, yeah. a lot of the time. So what is the big Netflix news, Brian? Bring that to us.
2: Well, the news broke a couple of days ago that one Mr. Adam Sandler was going to be signing a contract with a a little known TV and movie provider. I don't know if you've heard of it called Netflix for a four four movie deal uh, to take his next four movies to directly to Netflix. So that's an interesting deal. We, we chatted about it a little bit off the air. It's, it's a interesting move on both parts. So I'd love to hear you guys take on on it uh, on the air.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's still going to option his best, (laughs) sounds so dumb to even talk about it. His best ideas. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Because Sony um, has a first look deal. Yeah. Yeah, Sony has a first look deal. I think he seriously just has his own writing studio or or office or whatever you want. And it's just him and his buddies hanging out, eating food, and coming up with random ideas for movies. I think he has a bank of a couple hundred ideas. So he's going to take, what, four of those? Yeah. And sell it to Netflix, and I'm sure the deal is just ridiculous. $100 million deal or something like that. Uh, I hope
1: uh, I hope Netflix is ready to get into the Nick Swarsden business.
0: Yeah. Well, That's you know what? Future. Net- Netflix is famous for, and they fully admit this, that the reason they uh, made House of Cards was because a lot of people watch David Fincher movies, and a lot of people watch Kevin Spacey movies. Yeah, And it was literally almost an algorithm that they used to make house of cards and and they really like british dramas too that was the other one yeah uh so they of course made the famous british drama uh house of cards remade it for the american audience and uh huge success of course but i mean it wouldn't surprise me if this is the same thing well people love adam sandler movies we can't deny that so let's get him to make some original content a lot of their original content has been pretty pretty impressive though i've been impressed with their content uh that they've been bringing forward and more than I, I would say Amazon studios or Hulu originals. A lot of these people that are doing their own original stuff now that aren't TV providers. So, um, yeah. cool move. I'm, I'm actually excited. I, I would actually probably watch an Adam of sailor movie on Netflix more than I would ever go to a theater and pay money anymore or go out of my way to, to watch it. I have a better chance of watching it on there than I would otherwise. So any other thoughts on this, Richard?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like I was saying, you know, Sony still has that first look option, so they, he still has to yeah. bring all of his ideas to them first. I think, and then they say yay or nay, and then the ones that are nayed, um can he can then take them Netflix? I think is how it works. Sandler is, uh, you know, derided as an artist these days because uh, he makes a lot of uh, not even bad movies, just kind of lazy movies. But I don't think anyone could could hate on him for his kind of intuition as a businessman. And yeah, you know he's kind of leading the way here. It's not surprising because you know what, all those terrible Adam Sandler movies that have come out in the last ten years, yeah, they all made a lot of a, mon- exactly. a lot of money, save for a couple of them. And and uh, he he does know what he's doing there. He knows how to appeal to a certain audience, and whether whether you know you can make fun of that audience all you want, but their dollars are worth just as much as yours are. And uh, it's a smart play by Netflix. It's a smart play by by Sandler. It'll be interesting to see what he does. It'd be great if they were like super gritty
0: dramas i bet one of them will be i'm sure (laughs) i'm serious i'm sure one of them will be some his like artistic statement as a director or some something random or something like that you know something he wouldn't risk going into a theater with but since it's netflix it's like well i'll just do this you know i've already got the budget for it uh but i hope that's the case but i guess we'll. i hope one of
2: them is a sequel to eight crazy nights that's that's what i've been holding
0: for. Mm -hmm. oh my favorite (laughs) My favorite Hanukkah-based it. cartoon uh, movie. That's it
2: <laughs> oh, that's a tough list. But
1: I'll have to think yeah, about that. Exactly. But maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe.
0: Think about it. It's it's up there, though. I will make okay, that I'll argument. T- I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, guys, let's talk American treasures. How many people are? Inducted already into the hall, guys. And do um, we have a number on this? I can look that up.
1: You keep talking. I'm going to guess. Let's all put a guess in. I'm going to say 23.
0: 23. Ooh. 10. That's a pretty good guess, actually. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit above that. I'm going to go 25.
2: I will take the under, 21. The under. Okay. All right. Well, good tease, guys. We'll
0: figure that We'll find that out later. No. uh. So, Brian, w- will you explain how this works to the audience?
2: Yeah, sure. So we uh, we we started this to honor our our greatest, uh, obviously, American treasures. The the performers that we feel like embody the spirit of American entertainment. You it's very important to you to note that this this is a, a comedic. Generally speaking, we 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 like people who uh, have a, ch- a comedic tilt to their work. Not to say that they're not ever serious or in serious work or anything like that, but uh comedy and, and a sense of humor is very important. Their career has to be pretty good. Uh, not to say that they can't have some some bad spots here and there, but but overall, we want the resume to uh, to look pretty good. You know, they've got to have been. They have to be. Or fifty years old or older, or have been in the public eye for twenty-five or more years. Uh, that way, we're not inducting people who are really cool for two weeks or something like that. Obviously, right. Melissa McCarthy would be in already, <laughs> um, so we don't we don't want it to be too premature. They obviously have to be from America in order to be American treasures. But if they're from Canada or possibly someday from Mexico, we will allow them to enter the North American Treasure wing of our little Hall of Honor and. Possibly most importantly, they have to have a sense of humor about themselves. That's a very, very big deal to us. Very good way to explain it, Brian. I've got the number that. here.
0: What's the number? We have – I'm going to break it down. We have three
1: North American Treasures. Uh-huh. We have 10 public figure American Treasures. Uh-huh. And we have 19 uh, oh, ooh, American Treasure actors. And it is 32 is the overall number. So Kent wins.
0: Wow. That's that's actually that actually kind of shocks me, uh, yeah. but hopefully we get more tonight. Just to remind the listener, you can find uh, the list of all of our AT American Treasures on our website. Uh, the whole list is there.
2: I, I haven't looked at it in a, in a little while, Can't The the photos that you've got for the website are awesome. Like, it's, uh, I <laughs> it love It looks this. like a this of is fame, fantastic. Right? It really does. I'm super impressed by this. Who's your, who's, one. Your, who's your favorite
0: American treasure? Let's go around in a circle Gosh. and just... How,
2: do you, how do you even pick? Yeah, how do you pick? It's, uh, it's an it's, impressive
0: list. It's a 32-way tie for me. I, I,
2: yeah. yeah, I can tell you who my least favorite is, and that's Bruce Willis. I'm a little... I kind of <laughs> wish we could take that one back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah,
1: I'm kind of with you on
0: that, but... You <laughs> we can't do that. We we voted on we, it. Guys. We've sent
2: him the vest, yep. but uh yep. you know oh, we we're not gonna about, invite him to any of the functions. So we should
1: talk about what these all these American treasures receive. They get a denim vest.
0: Yeah.
2: Great. Right.
1: A lot of Hall of Fames have jackets or things like yeah. that. We give them what's more American than a denim vest with just a big picture of Teddy Roosevelt on the back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And the inside of, of the vest is an American flag.
0: Yeah, it's got a American flag lining. Yeah. Exactly. Greatness. I guess we'll start off with you, Richard. Okay. Who do you want to bring to the table this week? I've got two options. I'm going to
1: let you guys choose by profession. I have okay. a public figure option, and I have an actor option.
0: I'm going to go public figure. I always enjoy the public figure option. Bri- Brian? Uh,
2: I have an actor. Okay, so I'll go public so, figure. Yeah, go public figure.
0: This is someone
1: that has been in their chosen industry for quite some time. Okay. Uh, they, they fulfill the uh, the – Qualification that they've been in it twenty twenty five years. They definitely fulfill the age qualification. They're um, late fifties, early sixties. Um, There's someone that is a wonderful professional at their chosen profession, but also shows. I mean, when you think of a sense of humor about oneself, you you probably think of this person. Considering what their career is and what they do, I'm going to nominate American Treasure
2: Brian Williams. Yes, mm. he's on my list, Richard. He's on my list. Our own personal. American
0: treasure list that we keep yeah. in our pockets at all times yeah. just for emergency. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, written on the back yeah. of a constitution like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: rolled up. Nicholas Cage stole.
0: <laughs> so Brian Williams of NBC News. Yes. Fame. He's hosted Saturday Night Live. Has he's, he? Has, yes. He must have missed that one.
1: He's, it was very good on there too. He has, he's the best 30 rock cameo ever. In my opinion, you'll get there. Ken, I know you're flying your way through it. He makes several cameos. My favorite is he's dating, uh, Jack Donahue is dating a CNBC reporter and he goes to visit her in her newsroom and they're talking and uh, all of a sudden Brian Williams comes out of nowhere with a small Nerf football and says like CNBC sucks nightly news rules nightly news rules <laughs> and he spikes the football and just runs off yeah. and uh, that's the moment i fell in love with uh, with Brian Williams so. Brian
2: Yeah you get no no issue for me uh, I, he's that cameo on 30 rock is amazing yeah. he was always a great guest on conan when conan was at nbc mm-hmm. his bits on fallon which yeah, were raps yeah which are not him but the the sense of humor he has about that is tremendous. Like those are some of the best episodes that Fallon has done is, uh, is when Brian Williams has been on. He's phenomenal. He, I think he is the embodiment of what an American, a public figure, American treasure is. So,
0: and most importantly, hot daughter, (laughs) (laughs) right? I would say, uh, I would say yes, if I had a vote, but of course two out of three have voted yes. So that means he is inducted into the public figure wing of American treasures. The second or actually the third Um, News-related public figure that has been inducted uh, behind one uncle, Tony Kornheiser, (laughs) also Uh, in the news business, and uh, the one Sir James Carville, uh, also public figure, American treasure. And snake treasure as well. (laughs) Yeah, and a snake hall of
2: fame. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: Maybe debate the active or public eye for 25 years, but I'm I'm jogging my memory, and that seems about right.
2: But he's he's 50.
1: so yeah, he's fifty. So he's over oh, yeah, okay. fifty. It's okay. it's twenty
0: five years in the public
1: eye or over fifty, and he is fifty five years old. Ah, yeah. Where was Brian Williams born? He was born in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Ah. Wouldn't have guessed that. And he no college degree, which is impressive for Ooh. him and Matt Lau are both, neither of them have a college degree, and they are literally the faces of news on that network for the last yeah. twenty five years. So that's kind of cool. So More congratulations, Brian. Your Williams. vest is in the mail.
0: Your vest has been shipped. <laughs> okay, Brian, who do you got?
2: Yeah, this, uh, this is a an actor, a writer, a director. He is one of the great names in the history of comedy. He still makes appearances from time to time, and he's just ridiculously funny. I would say he's had a very large impact on my own sense of humor throughout uh, catching up with his movies. He, I, I kind of feel like this is one that speaks for itself, so I'll just throw it out there. American treasure Mel Brooks. Oh, I wasn't sure if you're going to go Mel or Albert. I, that's not a bad. Yeah, not a bad uh, suggestion for a later date. Yeah. Wow. I didn't have Mel Brooks on my list boom I try to I try fair. to bring something different yeah. you guys I got your Bob Newhart last time and yeah, you, uh, did. you did I'm sure I'm trying to to spice it up a little bit you're, you're skewing you're
0: skewing 1930s
2: I am uh, I really am like all of our younger listeners which is everybody who listens to a podcast is just Brian
0: you know, with the know. uh the Bob euchre nomination yeah too. Hey, I, I, run, by the
2: way you know. in case the listener doesn't know I'm 55 years old so <laughs> yeah.
0: this is, uh <laughs> You sound everything, everything fifty five, <laughs> just
2: a bit outside.
0: <laughs> so yeah, interesting, interesting um, nomination. I must admit, his movies yeah.
2: just had an absolutely ridiculous impression on right. that entire generation. Blazing Saddles uh, and Spaceballs were were two of my favorite, but he's written a ton of others as well. Young Frankenstein. He was big with the producers, which was a a cult hit. He did get smart on TV. He's done a lot of incredible work over the years, and he uh, he's been on Conan a bunch this last yeah, year because he and Conan are are, are kind of tight. He's still as sharp as they – I mean, he's just so funny. Still, him to and this Carl thing. Reiner
1: both are hyster- yes, yes.
2: Still. Uh, it's yeah. a he, he's a he's a just a tremendous comedian in my opinion. an icon.
1: He's on the yeah. Mount Rushmore of comedy for me, certainly uh, film comedy.
2: Yeah, so I agree.
1: Yeah, I think you know he's one of those that you know we pick these based on our particular sensibilities. Sure. I think Mel Brooks would be one that would be if if America voted on American Treasures and not just us the panel. Uh, right. Mel Brooks would would certainly make it. I think more than a lot of people that are in our current. But guess what? You know we we've been given the, so list. We've been given uh, the Mel
0: Brooks. Brett Ratner and the two Farrelly brothers. Well, yeah. so it's only Peter Farrelly or no? Bobby I was I was, I was foreshadowing a little bit because
1: I know we're gonna talk Tyler Perry later, but I mean obviously <laughs> that as well. Yeah, good good point. <laughs> just one fairly i think a fairly and a half yeah i was well, like does bobby one, get in only Peter
0: or no <laughs> I was like, which is the better be fairly really we bit. haven't ever had that talk i don't
1: know be a really funny <laughs> bit to be like who are your favorite film directors <laughs> well i love i love peter but i
0: i don't care for bobby yeah, yeah. like ethan, Cohen's great. ethan <laughs> <Joel> cohen is <laughs> great sucks <laughs> i hate that guy no uh that is a good bit though that's one we'll continue. <laughs> just rides the coattails. <laughs> that, you're right, Brian. That one speaks for itself. I can't make an argument uh, against that at all. American Treasure, Mel Brooks. Does he go in the public figure wing, maybe? No, uh, I think he goes in He's act- an actor. He,
1: yeah. Okay. I think you throw he's, him in actor.
0: Yeah. Good question, though. Yeah. That, one could, that could go either way, so I just wanted yeah. to clarify.
1: No, that's good. I, I think we put him in as an actor. He he's, he's, has enough credits as an actor uh, where yeah. we can throw him in there.
0: Okay, this one might be controversial, but I'm going to bring it to the table anyway. This is an actor. Okay. He has been around for a long, long time. Easily uh, 25 years. One of the faces of American cinema for a period of time, as far as uh, dramatic work goes. He has appeared in comedies. He has uh, stayed relevant uh, over the years. That's for sure. Uh, Not just in film, but also in television and sports. Believe it or not, actually. This one, I think, speaks for itself, too. And correct me if I'm wrong. American Treasure Jack Nicholson?
1: Wow, I was thinking about that one, too. I was thinking about that one. It's almost so obvious that it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's done certainly comedy well. Um, He's so – he's not somebody that doesn't have a sense of humor about himself, but he's so oddly private that you don't know – officially if he does but i like to assume he does and honestly even though he's a laker fan i like anybody that goes to nba games right a big like proponent- that's a bit
0: now isn't it just yeah. him going with his sunglasses oh, yeah. on and sitting on the like yeah with basically hot, on the bench some hot 19 a, year it's old it's become a bit he doesn't go to see, watch the games anymore like he he has no, no idea what's going on half the time i guarantee <laughs> you. he's just there to go yeah. i like it when he gets into it with
1: refs because yes. as, as you guys know the first thing I would do if I came into a lot of money and fame would be bu- to buy courtside NBA tickets. Literally, before feeding my my you know wife and family, I would I would buy NBA tickets first, <laughs> yeah. courtside. And so I have an a, a odd, odd respect and affinity for that. Um, a lot of great comedic work, obviously a ton of great dramatic work and just an interesting life, you know, he thought his mother with his sister and which is definitely super American. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think I'm with you on that, Ken. I'm going to go. It's so obvious that I almost want to be contrarian and say he doesn't fit some certain qualification. Yeah, but I mean, he's Jack. I mean, he's he's, you know, people who have been on Saturday Night Live, eighty percent of them have have done a Jack impression. That's right. iconic. That's being iconic. The yeah, definition of being iconic true. to me. And so, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to affirm. And Brian, your your vote means nothing, but we'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a compelling argument. Um, so I'll I'll give you my vote, but mostly because he was in anger management with Adam Sandler, which is the height of comedy. <laughs> I remember being excited for that movie. I like, was too. And super very bummed. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: super bummed when it was terrible. But I remember being honestly pretty jacked up for these yeah, two worlds yeah. to collide. Yeah. I
2: was too. I was too. <laughs> yeah, he's got he he's got my vote if for no other reason than the uh like Richard, that was a great, uh, great point. He is an American icon, and that, that speaks yeah. volumes to to this list. And the the NBA bit always cracks me up because it's so fun to hate the Lakers. Sometimes it's really fun right now, but you can't hate Jack. You have to like yeah. respect the crap out of him for being and honestly, there and doing what he does.
1: He's not a Denzel fan, right? Denzel shows up at the at the Lakers Spurs game for the Western Conference Final, right? Jack, Jack's there for you know. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans in December, yeah. right? Jack's normally there,
2: and right. that's kind of awesome. And you get the impression that uh, with Jack, like we we have heard rumors that his memory is is slipping, and he's not as sharp as he used to be. But you get the impression that he could tell you every single member of the Lakers roster in 1996. Yeah. So I like that. <laughs> I like that.
1: There you go. I'm looking forward to some sort of party pick with like him and. Nick Young and Nicky Azalea
0: (laughs) just hammered after some game. Yeah. Because what else is there to do with the Lakers this year? That's right. Sure. Uh, So that's my nominee. Uh, uh, So is he in, Richard? That was a yes from you. Brian, too, as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm totally in. That's fine. It might take us a while, honestly. There are a lot of nominees that are so obvious that, like we just haven't even brought him up. Sometimes we just like to stir the pot a little bit with the nominees. Yeah. But uh I think Jack is one that just it's so inevitable it needed to be done. Uh sure.
1: I was I know. was thinking about that earlier. I was I was shocked he wasn't on the list. I went through it earlier. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, cool. Not on well, the congr- list. Congrats, congratulations, class of October twenty fourteen.
0: Yep. Your, you your vest stressed. is on the way, by the way, Jack. Uh
2: we'd like to see it on the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, it will. The vesting ceremony. Is that what you said? Yeah.
2: I said the the induction ceremony, but vesting ceremony sounds like like vesting.
0: But Jack is totally going
2: to
1: hit on Allison Williams, so we need to make keep it simple. All right. And
0: on that note, let's talk David Fincher's Gone Girl.
2: Yeah. Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now.
0: Did you kill your wife, Nick? So I guess we could start off with general David Fincher thoughts, fellas. Uh, I want to save. Likes, dislikes uh, for a little bit later and, of course, spoilers for a little bit later in this I review. I think it's
1: going to be hard. I think we'll probably go – just a warning to the listener and we'll give you a heads up. We're probably going to go to spoiler territory earlier than we normally would, right? right. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's just not a lot to talk about this. Yeah,
2: exactly. I didn't write a review for this because I was like I don't know even how to write <laughs> yeah. a three-sentence summary without completely ruining the whole thing. So, so that bodes um, well for this podcast. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. yeah. You know.
1: We'll give you a couple minutes here on Fincher and then we'll probably go in the spoiler territory right after that. So go, go, go see the movie though. It's, it's certainly interesting. So can continue. Sure. This I one.
0: would suggest seeing this one before listening to our review. If you don't do that in the past, uh, if you do it ever, this time is one of those types. Yeah. Fincher's interesting. Uh, we, I, I yes. think we talked on the air when we came on here about, he doesn't really have a lot to his name. That's bad. Or that you can say that it's technically bad. I think his movies rank more of list of preference than I do. Uh, which ones are better than the other ones? They range uh, from A plus to B. It's like it's Wes Anderson in the past uh, yeah. since you know late nineties. Every movies almost you almost know what you're gonna get every time. Uh, but it's just what which one are you personally taken to more than the others? Uh, if I was to rank. I would probably still say that Zodiac is my favorite. Okay. I think The Social Network is still fantastic. Uh, I did get a chance to go back and watch that before the before Gone Girl. But uh, I think there's always a place for Panic Room. I'm not as high as on on seven as most people are. Probably.
1: Never mind. I always forget he did Panic Room.
0: I like that one a lot too, uh, despite what what people think. And I do think that The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is underappreciated a few years back it it ranked in my top 10 of 2011 uh, I know for sure so I did like that Um, but like I said you almost know what you're gonna get with Fincher which is a great thing Uh, I was looking forward to Gone Girl for a long time and I will say it's a good movie that's my short review I mean I know that's that's uh, nowhere near detailed enough to warrant this uh, this podcast but we'll get to that trust me a little bit later there's stuff i would change there's stuff that i love there's stuff that i didn't like uh, flat out uh, but this was a good movie to me this is this is what i expected probably a little bit underwhelming follows to put it on an overwhelming or underwhelming uh, scale so probably a little bit under my expectations, actually, but still, you know, solid. We'll talk about specifics later, of course. So, that's my short review. Brian, general thoughts?
2: Yeah, I have an interesting feel with uh, with Fincher because I think he's a, I think he is technically maybe the best director going right now. Like from a, again from a technical standpoint, yeah. But I. I don't know that I love any of his movies, and I, I know that, I, that I'm that i not someone who will go and re-watch all of his movies uh, over and over again. In a perfect world, I would have had time to watch a few of these films before I went into Gone Girl just to kind of refresh myself with with uh, Fincher. But I've been too busy wasting my life with all the freaking TV pilots. Um <laughs> That's just well, my soul that, away. I mean, yeah, no, he, he, it's an interesting thing with with Fincher because you every time I see one of his films, I I think, man, that was just so incredible. It's it's beautiful. Uh, it's the the framing is is perfect. The editing is always perfect. Teaming up with with Trent Reznor has been just an awesome awesome experience for for any film goer. I think because the scores for these films are are spectacular. He I. I I respect that he, he goes every single movie he goes out and he, he's trying to work with the absolute best. Uh, he gets the best cast that he can assemble. He gets the best cinematographer, obviously, like I said, just Resner. the best writers, all this stuff. He, he is so willing to go out and, and get people who he feels like can do their thing on his set, which is not always the case with a lot of directors. Um, but the thing for me is I don't I don't find most of his films to be personally ones that I want to go and rewatch over and over again. And I'm a very feelings oriented uh, viewer, I guess. And I to almost, the John Williams music. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's a reason why Steven Spielberg had. Five movies in my top 25 Mm -hmm. of of all time because that those are the sorts of films that appeal to me personally I like story I like character I like interaction between story and character and character and character and I don't I I very very rarely get that from a Fincher film it always just feels very precise very technical and a little bit cold Mm -hmm. and I it doesn't it doesn't turn me off to the point of like i don't like david fincher because i again i think he's he's tr- he's one of the f- maybe five best directors working right now in hollywood but i i don't love anything that he he does and and i don't have the desire to continually go back to that the way i would with spielberg or or you know the coens or any of yeah. my no yeah. one, any of my other favorite uh directors. It's a it's a strange it's strange for me as a as a huge film lover to just be like, Okay, that was really good, but I don't know that I'm ever that I care to go back and watch it again, and that's how I felt with pretty much every one of his movies.
0: So how did you feel about Gone Girl, just generally?
2: Yeah, just about the same. You know, I'm I'm really glad I didn't read the book because I I did read the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. I finished it like a week before I went into the movie and I was bored with that film because it was almost the exact same as the as the book until the very end. Um so I was I was glad I hadn't read the the novel beforehand cuz it did keep me guessing. It's a very interesting film. I I don't know that I'm going to Feel like this is one of the best movies of the year when we're done with 2014, but it definitely has a. I would I would agree that it has a place in that argument if you wanted to make that argument. If that makes
0: sense, sure, Richard. I uh, I know you're probably one of the bigger, I guess, the biggest Fincher fan on the show. You saw this uh, opening night.
1: Yeah, I did. I saw it Thursday, Thursday yeah. night, and uh, I love. Uh, yeah, I do. I I like the venture- Fincher quite a bit and uh, I love social network is one of my gosh probably 15 20 favorite movies ever I know it wasn't in my top 10 but it's it's pretty close and I love um, I love fight club I'm trying to you know Zodiac an incredible kind of uh, thriller in, in the cast and that movie's just you know, near masterpiece for me. I didn't care for Dragon Tattoo that much. Brian, I, I can't argue with anything you said in terms of how does it connect with you. It's, it's He's not trying, you know, and, and I don't think he's trying to. And I think you know that, and yeah. recognize that. So it's not totally. necessarily criticism. It's just a personal taste thing. And I, I, right. I, I get that as well. And know, I, I actually kind of feel the same way. But I, his aesthetic style is so good mm-hmm. that it it overcomes that to me. He's not really an auteur, and that's what I like about him. It's not like he writes these scripts. It's not like he, you know, micromanages every piece of it. He just directs the crap out of a movie. You know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes that can be annoying and overstylized, but there's always it's he's just so good at taking something and just improving it so much with the editing and the and the way it's shot and the and the performances that he gets. Um and and, and to swing that to Gone Girl, this is sort of a detached movie. It's a movie with these sort of detached performances and people. And I think the, the casting of Ben Affleck is, is brilliant because it's, it, he's someone that's enormously talented and enorm- enormously good looking and enormously Bob and blah blah, blah. But for some reason, unless he kills us with Argo, the public at large is always kind of, you know, wary of him. And, yeah. Um, that's such good casting as we'll, we'll get into a spoiler territory. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a smart movie. I, I probably like this movie more than, than you two. I, and that's not to say I don't have my, my quarrels with it. Cause I do have a couple and, a, and some of them come picture and some of them come from, um, you know, just the novel itself. I, 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 you know, you hesitate to, to criticize a story because the story is what it is. So. Mm-hmm. It exists, so you're like, "Well, I would have done this." Well, that's that's the story, you know. So it's especially with an adaptation, it's kind of odd to criticize that. So uh, we'll get into that momentarily. But I, yeah, I thought this was a very good movie. Do I think it'll be the best movie of the year? No, but I think it's a really good October movie, and and will be definitely in contention for a couple things probably come award season. You know, it's he he hasn't let us down yet, in my opinion. He hasn't made a bad movie yet, and I think this would have been a really easy movie to make poorly to make kind of a bad lifetime Mm -hmm. yeah and there's kind of and what i loved about it my favorite thing about this movie and i can say this without spoilers there's kind of nods to that and i think a lot of that comes from the book as well from what i know about the book i haven't read it my girlfriend has and loves the book but i there's nods to that sort of culture that sort of lifetime movie um nancy grace culture uh-huh. It almost teases you with that. And it has this and because of that it creates this almost modern pulp aesthetic where it it, it, it almost is in its own way noir in its very unique modern way. It's kind of the fetishism of the Volvo and the 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 cable news, twenty four hour news cycle and all of that is really I think the most brilliant part of of the script in the movie to get together, I think it's just really, really cool the way they did that. And it's almost, it's almost like um, you remember the, the uh, it's a Nicole Kim movie, right? Like To Die For. It's almost like yeah. that, or like L.A. Confidential, or something like that, where it has this sort of winking, more than any Fincher movie I've ever seen, almost a wink to it that it's it's kind of aware of itself and uh, and almost as a black comedy in a way. There's some really funny parts of this and some really outlandish parts of this that are really almost played for comic effect and then there's some over serious parts as well and that's i think where fincher kicks himself is sometimes he he focuses way too much on this sort of morose um thing but i've gone on now for 17 minutes so i'll shut up but uh there were some things i really loved about this and overall i think it was a a very good movie
0: sure let's head into spoiler territory right now so go out and see gone girl come back and listen to it uh if you have seen the movie uh please feel free to stay tuned for the rest of this conversation. I'm glad you mentioned three people talking or else it's just us. That's right. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm glad you mentioned lifetime. I I guess maybe I should have read the book. Maybe if I had read the book, uh, you probably know more about this, Richard, uh, since you know someone who has, I uh, read the book. <laughs>
1: I, Second person
0: literary knowledge. That's so why I specialize. In yeah. It. Well, I mean, at least you probably had this conversation <laughs> with somebody. Sure. No, totally. Uh, I've, I've quizzed her on it. I, I just didn't know how much of it was supposed to be played for com- comic effect, uh, as you put it, or or otherwise. There were parts of it that felt too much like a Lifetime movie to me, or like something you would see on Investigation Discovery or something. It felt like Fincher's take on that type of. Uh, storytelling, a, I guess. Did you
1: not see the kind of satirical nature of that? thing? I totally
0: did. I was just okay. wondering which parts you were referring to. Uh, well, Missy Pyles' character definitely. Uh huh. Missy yeah. Pyles' character
1: is Nancy Grace. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, I, I actually looked pretty hard during the movie. Like when she was just on the screens, I was squinting. I was like, "Is that Nancy Grace? Did they just yeah. go ahead and hire her for this?" Or and then yeah. uh, the
1: kind of the Casey Wilson character has uh-huh. this sort of dumb. Pregnant person that probably watches a lot of Lifetime movies and just wants to be uh, a hero and a, f- a famous person for it is, is, uh, was also kind of lifetime to me. You know, I was her best friend, so on and so forth. And the way we find out later that she's been exploited, uh, yeah, I thought those were kind of really clever, uh, a clever satire on that, on that, um, kind of murder porn, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. culture. And I think to me, Maybe he wasn't overt enough with that, but the times he did it, I thought were really effective in something that really, you know, new territory for a movie. That that that, that culture kind of being satirized, satirized in a really smart, um, you know, big tentpole fall movie uh, was kind of, I thought, cool, and the, and the coolest
0: part of that movie. Let's go to likes and dislikes. I guess we'll start off with likes. Well, I mean, One of the first things I noticed here was uh, David Fincher always has a signature way of doing his opening credits it's usually Mm. one of the more memorable parts of his movies when he chooses to do with that i noticed in this movie just really nothing i think maybe his statement was i'm not going to do anything for this Uh, it was the most Mm. plain opening credits i sequence i've seen probably uh from what he did not really a big musical cue from reznor there usually there has been in the at least in the past few movies he's done with uh trent reznor scoring them but uh, yeah, that's the first thing I noticed was just really generic opening credits and I think that's uh on purpose, like I said. But it did feel like this movie could have been and this is sort of what I was referring to, Richard, this could have been a ten episode HBO series. It would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Directed by David Fincher. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. It just had yeah. that feel to it. And and that's that's fine because uh, you know, we all love True Detective and, and stuff like that, uh, this past year. But um I, I'm glad to see Fincher do stuff like that. That's uh, that sort of has that modern like. That's what's winning right now. Is is that this this felt like a Breaking Bad or something? Uh, the wife or the the uh, Amy character <laughs> felt like uh, Anna Gunn in in Breaking Bad at times, and that's a compliment to her because Anna Gunn is spectacular sure. in Breaking Bad. But um, yeah, this is a very well acted movie. I will say that. That's one thing about Fincher is that he demands perfection. Yeah. Uh, from his actors and and from everybody involved, but mainly his actors, he's known to do you know ninety nine takes on a scene if he has to. But cu- very, I'm very complimentary to the acting in this, and I just wanted to comment on that. What stuck out to you, Brian?
2: Uh, yeah, the, the cast is fantastic. Uh, he not just who he casts, but the way that they they come through. Uh, to me, he's he's very similar to like a Cameron Crowe, even though their directorial approaches are completely different. He's somebody who tends to get the absolute best out of somebody, maybe to the point of like, they'll never be able to get that out of themselves again. Mm. Um, I think that could definitely be the case with Neil Patrick Harris and Tyler Perry, who is really, really good in this movie. And surprisingly, um, that completely caught me off guard, but I think. like Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, I mean, he was great at it. He was yeah. great at it. Uh, Affleck and Pike are really strong and I'm sure we'll talk about them more. Kim Dickens is a really, really mm-hmm. good character actor. And I, am almost disappointed cause her role was, was a little too small, uh, for my personal taste cause she's so good. And this is like, this was an opportunity for her to really show off and man, she, she came through, uh, in the, in the moments that she had, I liked, and again, we are in spoiler territory, I really hated the reveal of the fact that Amy Dunn was alive so early. Like, I felt like it was a. It really took me out of the movie for a few minutes. I hated it in the moment, but as that stretched out and we got more with that character and her, you know, the other side of her life and stuff like that, it was a genius. It was a stroke of genius to pull it out as early as it. And I know that's in the book and in the script and all that sort of thing, but I thought the way that he did it, uh, it was shocking in the the best sense of, of the word. I think that's exactly what he was going for. And he hit it so hard. Uh, and, and I think in, like I said, in the moment, I wasn't thrilled with that, but in, in retrospect, as the film went on, I was like, Oh man, that was, that's a genius, genius way to do it. And I'm going to, like I said, the score is fantastic. And the social network score is one of the great, is one of the best scores of the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years easily. I don't know that this is, and can't you're much more of a, a, a score expert mm-hmm. than I am, but I don't know that this is as good as the social networks is as a standalone, but for the film, it, it's, I think it might be better. And it, yeah. because it, it's. And that, so, that's
0: why I used the word cues earlier. I yeah. mean, it had, there's several cues in the social network where it's seriously no talking and just uh-huh. camera work and music. There's very yeah. little stuff like that in here. But yeah. uh, the stuff that they do that Reznor does do, that's it's very effective. It, it's, uh, it, it's it's setting the tone at least.
2: Totally. It's perfect for this film. And then the last thing I'll say for for things that I really liked, and this is gonna I think this is gonna be a strange one, given my uh known hatred for all things horror and gory and, and stuff like that. The scene in which she cuts uh Neil Patrick Harris's neck and and uh I mean, which is just a is a horrifying sequence of events. That's a perfect scene. The way that it is shot and framed, and the score behind it, and the way the the, the almost all the sound drops out completely. Yeah, I was. I mean, it, it like I said, it's a it's a terrible, terrible thing to look upon, but. He did that in such a magnificent way that I like couldn't take my eyes off of it, which normally I would in that setting, I hate that sort of stuff. I would not have been able to look at it, but it was shot so perfectly. Uh, I was really I was really blown away by that random 30second sequence that should have made me want to puke and you know not watch the film anymore. but uh, I was very impressed by that. Right. Richard, what stuck out to you?
0: Well, I I, I talked a little bit
1: earlier about – I really like the kind of pulp culture uh, satire uh, in the movie a lot. And uh, I am definitely – that's my sweet spot. Like I love that kind of stuff. So other people may not notice it and if they did notice it, they probably don't care about it. (laughs) And I'm a nerd and I'm like, I think that's really kind of fun and cool. And so um, importantly, not very Finchery. So I thought that was cool of him who's not necessarily – you know, his movies are kind of exist in their own reality. I mean, I know social network and zodiac are based on real events, but, you know, to kind of make a nod to culture at large is, is I thought, interesting for Fincher. Uh, so I like that. I think, you know, we talked about Affleck being kind of perfect for this part. Um, Rosamund Pike is, is wonderful. You know, Tyler Perry's great. And, and Tyler Perry has, I think, you know, uh, just the incredible voice. And I didn't know this about him, but his speaking voice is wonderful Mm and in in that i loved it's almost and i know this seems super racist but it's kind of morgan freeman-y where you just kind of enjoy listening to him talk and when he's not you know coming at me with a rolling pin as medea and (laughs) and just kind of speaking as a normal human being he's a really enjoyable actor and Mm. and uh that's let's just do that man let's put the pen down or the laptop down because it's 2014, and uh, let's uh, let just do some character work, because he's very soothing and very he he really, I mean a lot of it goes to Fincher too because he, I'm sure he made him do 800 million takes because he's David Fincher, but he is very he delivers the comic timing perfectly and he is a very likable screen presence like you just like that character instantly even though he's a kind of swarthy Mark garakos esque uh you know defender of wife murderers right uh you know it, it's uh you like him he's charming and part of that is because it sort of puts him in, in his opening scene kind of antagonistically against missy Pyles' horrible nancy grace you know uh witch hunt character uh so you know the fact that she's attacking him makes you immediately like him because even if he's awful he he's not that uh so that that's that was smart Uh, Because that immediately gets you on that character's side, Uh, but uh, yeah, I liked all that. Uh, Rosman, I I liked the reveal. Um, I knew there was kind of something like that in the movie that uh, you know no one was what it wasn't ever what it seemed, and blah 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 blah. But I didn't really know the specifics, and uh, I thought that was really kind of cool. What I didn't like, um, here's the thing: it needed this movie needed one line, and I don't know if it's Gillian Flynn's fault with the script. Because I know it's in the book. I've 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 talked to, to Sarah about this. Um, in in the final act, uh, once again, super spoilery. So just turn this off, yeah. please, for the love of God. Uh, the mm-hmm. final act, when 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 she returns after she's killed, uh, uh, you know Barney. I like to k- pretend are the same same character. So she's killed him, and she returns back and pretends like she's been kidnapped and raped, and yada yada. And, and Affleck knows that that's uh, a load of hooey, and that she is literally the most evil person that's ever been in a movie right guys like close yeah yeah yeah, it's like emperor palpatine and then uh (laughs) her nice to pronounce that right
2: yeah way to go
1: buddy thank you thanks you know it's uh just incarnation of evil and uh and when she returns you're just like dude run Run away! Do not stay with this woman. Why are you staying with her? So the movie does a good job of he doesn't stay for her for any sort of romantic allegiance or anything like that, but he does stay with her out of kind of a, a fear. But the movie needed this line, and this is in the book: is uh, Amy says to to Nick, you know, you can't leave because if you leave, I will kill you, and I will get away with it because I know how to do that. And then he stays. Right? It makes sense that he would stay yeah. because he's trapped. Uh, the story to me goes wonky there because why would he stay? You know, he's just yeah. he is now in hell for the rest of his life. He can't ever sleep again because there's this crazy murderous woman that will do anything if she's the least bit outraged, and she now lives and sleeps in 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 his home and controls his life right. completely. So you know, it's a movie that's difficult because kind of the bad guy really does kind of win in this. And it ends on a very kind of uh, odd note, uh, but I think it just needed that sort of logic line of, uh, "You c- you can't leave because I'll, I'll I'll kill you." Yeah. And- no,
0: I, I I that's a great point. I'm glad you referenced the book on that one. I, yeah. I had the same question there. I, that's what I was waiting for the whole movie. Yeah, and that whole last act to me, as as soon as she kills Desi, yeah, I was thinking this is the best
1: movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, especially this type of thriller. Yeah. The minute she kills Desi, it kinda it doesn't fall off a cliff, but it honestly goes from an A plus to Yes. And we'll get into grades later, but it loses a grade because I, the, at that point.
2: Totally agree. It it felt like and I, I'm assuming the book is like this because I've I've heard the book is pretty much mm-hmm. you know, it's it's shot for shot almost, but uh it felt like she had a great two acts and didn't quite know how to wrap it up and so yeah. she came up with a not a bad ending at all. I mean, it's it's interesting no, for sure. It's just not, on but par with it doesn't the rest. feel. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't measure up.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I kept thinking they were going to go to court.
2: Yeah. I never really feel like she get they get
0: justice on her at all. Like, well, it, the, it almost feels like they're setting it up for a sequel. As weird as that sounds, yeah, uh, it does. No, I agree. And it, you know, the the, the detective character
1: um, does kind of catch her on on the the inaccuracies of the logic of her story of what's happened and and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's, It's she really don't
0: care though. It's just like, all right, well, you're back together with them. You're having a kid. It's fine. I think that kind of
1: goes into the. Yeah. I think that falls into a little bit of the satire. So sure. I, I yeah. give him some of that where up oh, the interesting part's over, story's over. Let's just all go home and not investigate this further because this guy didn't kill his wife, and that's all we really care about is we just want to watch some crazy man murder right. his kid or his wife, and and now it's no longer interesting. Let's pack up the trucks and head home. I get that. I'm kind of into that. I think that's really smart and and interesting and provocative in a way, um, but. Uh, it's just not satisfying when you're as a
0: narrative in the movie. Totally understandable, and I wanted to sort of comment on that too, Brian. On when you talked about the reveal, yeah. I felt the same way. I thought this movie was going to be Ben Affleck is accused of murder, and at the end of the movie, we find out if he did it or didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We find that out uh, midway through the movie, yeah, and mm-hmm. it shocked me too. But I, I gotta say, the sequence of The reveal, or I called it the the spill, where she sort of uh Amy Dunn sort of spills her guts on everything, or we find Mm -hmm. out how this was whole this whole thing was accomplished is some of the best Fincher I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's just him going ham on this movie. Like I was really impressed with that stuff. That was vintage Fincher, like narration great b-roll cinematography just a very well-constructed fincher scene the best best one i've seen since you know zuckerberg creates the face mash uh Mm -hmm. at harvard while the party's going on remember that scene similar similar very similar but um you expect those from fincher but this was among his best work uh just that sequence alone was worth the price of admission (laughs) honestly but really cool the movie could have ended there and be like all right Good job, Fincher. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've done yeah, it again. Well, you know, and
2: but, I had that that yeah. feeling for a second. I was like, I wait a second. I thought this movie was pretty long, and this is coming way faster than I than I expected.
0: Yeah, it was. This was a long movie. I'll say that uh, longer <laughs> yeah. than I expected. I didn't look at the runtime before I went in. I knew it was going to be long, but uh, it drug this one out. Brian, any dislikes with this?
2: yeah we touched on the third act just doesn't seem uh doesn't quite measure up in my opinion to the rest of the film and and it's it's not a this is not a complaint about it's not a it's not an objective complaint anyway about the film but just with my whole thing with venture it does seem a little bit a little bit cold and that's probably serves this story well but it's i don't know it just didn't um this is a movie that stuck with me, but it's not one that I'm. I don't feel like I'm going to remember all that much beyond uh, the performances, which Pike, especially, I think is is really good and maybe has an outside shot at at some some Oscar buzz and some award buzz, um, depending on how the rest of the year goes. No, I I don't have a lot of dislikes with it. I just don't think that it's the greatest material that he he could work with, and I feel like that's that's been kind of a a little bit of a pattern of late beyond social network, I think is a technical masterpiece. Uh, and, and, a re, and was, I think was my number one film of that year. I can't remember exactly anymore, but uh, so that's, yeah. that's fantastic. But you know, the, the other movies are around that curious case of Benjamin button, dragon tattoo. Uh, these are films that I don't feel like have the greatest material with which to work. And so that's a little bit, of a uh, just a little bit of a disappointment that he's not doing maybe a little bit more than it's what
1: definitely stuff. hitting the bestseller table at at Barnes and he is
2: and and that's that's something that's very interesting about him you look at his credits and. Most of his stuff isn't is an adaptation, which is not yeah, a bad it, thing. He know. does it right,
1: yeah. He just straight yeah. up directs, which I like yeah. about him because he's it, yeah, not Tarantino and he's not exactly. Wes Anderson. And Noah.
2: It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing, and he he knows what he does well, and he does that, which I I greatly appreciate. But it's uh, you know we we talked about Denzel last year not stretching himself, and I don't think that it that the Fincher case is is you know anywhere close to to the denzel case you know but it's it's an interesting argument to make that he he, panic room i think is an original film and then seven and the game i think are original but fight club's not zodiac isn't social network isn't girl dragon tattoo and now and now gone girl so that's it i don't know it's it's just an interesting thing i would i would like to see him work with great material again the way he did with With social network and uh, you know Fight Club and Zodiac and stuff, he is doing a his next
0: project is a ten part HBO series. I think actually Uh, that it's called Utopia, and every episode is being written by Gillian Flynn, who wrote this movie and novel of Gone Girl. So,
2: and I I, I'm really stoked about that because I think he is a he's a director. He would be on my short list for just about any miniseries sort of. Or event television, or whatever, because mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that can absolutely tell a story really well over eight or ten episodes, and that's you know that's not something that every Hollywood film director can do. He's one that I think that the medium he fits the medium quite well. So I'm really excited about about that. Um, yeah. Those two
1: House of Cards episode he did are, are yeah, great. So that show's really good, but those are so much better than the rest.
0: I don't know. I like the Joel Schumacher episodes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those we're being are specific. Bad. No, those are good too. Not yeah. enough nipple, but yeah.
1: <laughs> for, that's Joel's <laughs> critique, not mine. Yeah, yeah. but
0: no, Fincher is—he's somebody that uh, it should be noted that he he passed up on Star Wars Episode Seven. That's come out in the past few weeks. That he was offered it, but turned it down. So that, that makes that, sense. That could have been interesting. Just, it, just it interesting. Be interesting. As far as we're – if we're talking about, he should maybe stretch a little bit and do. Right. I Trent think he Reznor could totally do Star Wars, uh, but
2: yeah. I, I think he could make a Star Wars film. I don't think that he could make, I don't think that he could do Star Wars with Disney slash. Right. Uh, yeah. Lucasfilm. Like I don't, or,
1: I, or first one back, he could do a standalone and that would be pretty sweet. I bet.
2: Yeah. I think if you gave him a hundred million dollars and just said, Hey, go make a Star Wars movie. He could totally do that. But I don't think Disney and Lucasfilm are turning over that kind of power to anybody. You've, even a David Fincher, you know. Everything sure. has to fit is gonna have to fit within that universe. And I don't I don't feel like that's something that is a skill set for him.
0: Sure. And he also passed on this Steve Jobs biopic for Sony that uh it was supposed to be him and Christian Bale as Steve Jobs. Uh passed on that too. So that was another project that was upcoming for him. Um I think the Uto Utopia thing is really the only thing he's got coming down the pipes, but uh, I'm always inter- always interested to see uh, Fincher's work, and yeah. and I agree that with the general consensus here is that I don't think in ten years we're going to go back and say, man, you know what, Gone Girl was Fincher's masterwork. You know, no, I just it just exactly. doesn't have that feeling like maybe The Social Network had, and you can go as far as saying even Fight Club has that uh, that feeling around it, but. Uh, this and just Zodiac have too.
2: It. I mean, Zodiac Zodiac is, social yeah, network and, very well. and Fight Club are. That's a pretty solid uh, triple play there, you know. But I feel uh, like Zo- yeah. no
0: nobody talked about Zodiac when it came out.
2: I, I, just, I don't think anybody did either. It didn't make any money. It made
0: no either. money. Yeah. But I've um, seen a
2: ton of fincher related lists this week because of Gone Girl, and I think every single one I saw. I don't know that I saw Zodiac listed any lower than third yeah. on any of. The if
0: we're talking, yeah. I mean, what he does with Gone Girl, as far as leaving it open ended, I think mm-hmm. Zodiac does a spectacular job of leaving it open ended. Yeah, uh, I I think that movie just climaxes in the very last moment of it. You know, uh, that's just a, that's a fantastic movie as well. But as far as Gone Girl goes, um, do we want to talk more about the plot specifically, or sure, I mean,
1: yeah? I mean. It's interesting in that, um, first off, Rosamund Pike is, is wonderful. Yeah, she is. It's one of those performances that I don't know if she'll ever work again. Because. true, Yeah. Everyone forever that saw this is going to hate her in everything ever. (laughs) She's so good. Um, There's someone else like that. I'm trying to think there's a male performance like that in the last few years. And it's actually turned out to be true. Like they can't get work because they were so hateable and good. And, and, uh, and uh, i think that's too bad i mean i i hope i'm wrong and i probably will be wrong but i just i just wouldn't be surprised if you know if she it's going to be tough for her to do um you know like a Nancy Myers movie next or something because you'll just won't right. trust her at all she she's she's wonderful and great um but we should talk about, I guess, Gillian Flynn a little bit. I mean, she's a novelist that she wrote the screenplay, and and it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good screenplay. Especially, mm-hmm. I you know, we talked about Kent that that scene, um, the reveal scene that that Amy is uh you know a sociopath and not yeah, it's perfectly on. written. It's really well written. It's a really really well written scene, and uh and and Fincher deserves a ton of credit for shooting the crap out of it, and Roseman Pike deserves uh, credit for acting the crap out of it but that's pretty good source material that's really good it'll be interesting yeah. to see with utopia or other things that she writes this is kind of a cool female screenwriter um much like uh oh gosh now i'm forgetting her name i fucking like idiot the who's the the woman that does uh zero dark 30 was married Catherine james cameron bigelow.
2: Catherine bigelow
0: she's a director yeah. yeah i know
1: but i just mean she you know it's cool to see women i'm not trying to go on some uh, insanely feminist, ran or anything, but <laughs> it is cool to see women do something that's kind of against type and 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 interesting and and you know that that isn't uh that isn't uh, and this is, sounds super sexist just to use this as a thing, but it's been you know for so long uh, it's not women's fault, but it, you know they've only been allowed to make you know the Devil Wears Prada or mm-hmm. or something like that, you know they've only been allowed to make uh, Sleepless in Seattle or some more Ethron movie. Um, it's it's cool that to see a, a female writer. Um, of, of something that's normally a very male domain, really succeed mm-hmm. and do well, I think, with a script is I think interesting and cool and, and 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 fun, much like Catherine Bigelow with as a as a action movie director is, is really neat.
0: Yeah. Did yeah. you hear that that Tyler Perry literally had no idea who David Fincher was? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I just thought that was funny. I dunno if we had ever talked about that on the show uh in weeks past, uh. but he kind of lucked out on that one. Yeah. It's like yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'll do that. You know, it's just yeah. a David Fincher movie, no big deal. Um yeah. uh, I just saw this that uh these other actresses who were rumored to get the Amy Dunn part was uh, Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. Charlie Theron, Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt, Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, Abby Cornish, and Julianne Huff. All, oh, all gosh, could have Julian, been those. Julianne I could have seen Charlie Steren <laughs> in that role. That would have been yeah. pretty good.
1: Reese Witherspoon wouldn't have been good enough at being likable at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You would have been like, nope, she did it. She's up to something immediately. <laughs> I thought
0: one <laughs> of her most unlikable roles ever, the June Carter role in Walk the Line, huh, <laughs> Academy Award, Here you go. Yeah, I know. I just, uh yeah, it's another thing. Also, Jessica Chastain, rumored for that. Uh, role, would too. That assignment. would have been that would have been great too, but I mean this really is two movies. Uh, I really did enjoy uh, how we got more backstory into the Amy Dunn character mm-hmm. after we're following Affleck for this uh, majority of the first act or first couple acts. I would I should say I'm glad that they de- they delve into what uh, what Amy was doing. They sort of backtrack and uh, and, that, and that's stroke of genius. But let's talk about Affleck. We haven't even really talked about him as a person it's an inter- interesting conversation just anytime we could talk it, uh what affleck's up to he was afflecking this entire movie just <laughs> afflecking the crap out of it and uh it was awesome no no uh, i don't mind affleck it's just funny to see to say that this guy is our next batman like i just couldn't stop thinking about this is batman like what uh but he wasn't buff enough Nearly, he's gonna have to put on some <laughs> put on some veins if he wants to be that Batman. But we'll we'll, we'll find out. Landry style. But what did you guys uh, think of of Affleck? Obviously, he's somebody that we've come to know and love over the past few years. When he he got pretty pretty big with Argo, uh, won Best Picture as a director a couple years ago, so that's a big deal. But uh, what do you guys think about him in this?
2: I mean, I like Affleck, and I'm glad that he's who he is, and that he's on the scene, and I like him. I like him making good movies. I just don't want him to be Batman. Is that, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but he was really good in this, and I think, uh, I think he's perfectly cast.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think he, it has awards potential. If any role in this movie does, what would you say? Say does maybe? Uh, I would say Pike. Rosamund or, Pike. Yeah, yeah, or uh,
1: yeah, Roseman Pike would be the only one I could see. Um, yeah, I want to say Tyler Perry just to be provocative, and. uh <laughs> But I don't, I don't think. And, and, and honestly, and this is horrible. It, you know, Netflix really good, and there's just, but there's just going to be so many good male performances this year because there are every year, and there's, yeah, there's so many more great male characters. I'm like, I sound like you know, like, uh, a feminist Nazi here, but it's just like, Rosebud Pike's not going to go have to go against very much stuff because there's just never for the last few years, just not very good. You know, Camp Blanchette won the Oscar last year in like June because they were like, eh. Nothing else is good. No other good women parts coming this way. So uh, uh, yeah, I think I think she has a really a much better chance. And Affleck's, it's like it's it's a good Affleck performance because it's not showy at all. It's just kind of yeoman's work, and uh, he's he's he just does it well, and he's he's just kind of a pro in the movie, which is cool. It's interesting to me. Like, is that weird for David Fincher to have like? I know he hasn't won best. Uh, Best picture, uh, or best director, uh, Affleck. That is, but he, he's one of best oh, pictures. Affleck! Yeah. You think that like makes a an odd dynamic on set? Like, yeah, I, I was of, wondering about that as well. I do. I'd be do interested to David. know. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how many
0: best pictures you have, but I mean, I, I, mean, I think David Fincher is a director <laughs> where you just have to say, <laughs> "I'm not going to say anything, no matter how I feel about what, yeah. what's going on," because yeah, yeah, you you probably speak up and he'll kick you <laughs> off a movie. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he just seems like that type of of director and okay, we're on take 98 and it's the exact same, but (laughs) not really. They're a little different. You just can't tell, you know, type of guy. Yeah. He's got, to kind of have to trust him. And I, I I just wonder how different their movie making styles are too. That's a good point. Um, so I guess we can move on to grades guys, unless y'all have any other general gone girl thoughts. I'm ready to grade you. All right, here we go.
1: It's good to see a good movie
0: though. Yes, it is. This one did feel like Oscar season. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was whether you know it's probably low end Oscar. It might you know be yeah. not it's not going to get eighteen nominations, but if it gets two or three, that's cool. And it was just fun to watch good movie, a movie, an adult movie that's good
0: and not a train wreck. If the list came out today, I would have to say that this would be on the list for best picture, as far as yeah. what we have now. That's yeah, sure. good, I think, oh, totally. I still think um, at this point, as we're talking, you know, second week of October. I would say Boyhood's probably still would be mm-hmm. the favorite at this point. Agreed. But uh, but we'll have to see. I mean, we still got you know two months of of greatness uh, to go this year. So let's go to grades. I will give this a solid A minus. There were there were certain parts that did remind me too much of a of that the of um made for TV movie or something like that. But I totally understand that that was on purpose specifically this, the shots where they kept going back and showing the writing of the diary. I knew that would come into play later, but it just felt so great Gatsby to me, you know, last (laughs) year, like this was once a book. So we're going to show you somebody writing the entire movie to remind you that this was once a novel guys, in case you didn't know that going in. Uh, But that kind of, kind of got annoying. So just, it didn't feel very Fincher that, that stuff to me. I agree. He hasn't done stuff like that really. Um, But that uh, specifically kind of cemented my opinion on that, but I'm going to go A minus. Still solid, solid Fincher movie, but I expected a little bit more. I must admit. So, Brian, great.
2: Yeah, I'm giving the same grade, A minus for me. Uh, I think it's a really fine film, and I, um, I get, I, again, I get all the buzz, and I, it, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's a really solid film. Uh, I just, I just don't think it's a great film.
0: Yeah, Richard. A minus is all around. All right, boom. There we go. So, like I said, it has a chance, and it's one that I'm sure we'll be talking about. It's in definitely worth seeing. I think week. it will
1: it, it for sure is. Yeah, because it's. I mean, obviously, give it, a, but it's kind of an interesting discussion movie, yeah. and uh, it, it, you know, because it's a novel that a lot of people have read, and I, I think the book in, and just mystery in general will, will kind of stay in the culture for a while in terms of a reference point. I would definitely recommend seen it um more than i would most movies i give an a minus two
0: yeah i mean if we weren't already over an hour into this podcast we would talk we could talk more but like sure. i said it's one that i'm sure will come up again later this year uh, in some best of lists or and stuff like that i'm sure so yeah looking forward to talking more about this movie in the future so let's move on guys let's hit a quick weekly recommend
2: weekly recommends
0: So we talked a little bit about Netflix earlier, and how they're bringing Adam Sandler on board for original content. Well, I want to recommend this week an original documentary from the Netflix people. Uh, it's called Print the Legend, and it's a documentary about the 3D printing industry, Ooh. which is sort of this up-and-coming, um, I don't know, breakthrough in uh, in technology where you know the it, it basically dissects like the take home 3d printer market uh, the one that you can you can buy and put on your desk and, and how this is gonna change the world and how maybe you know sort of like Steve Jobs had the had the idea to put you know everyone's gonna have a computer on their desk someday people are like you're crazy but uh, and, and this is people saying one day you're all gonna have 3d printers on your desk uh, and it just it talks about the inception of the idea and uh, and you know follows a few different uh, innovators around. Really interesting documentary, and it's on the forefront of technology right now. I mean, like I said, it's a, it's an industry that's um, being predicted to be pretty big in the next 10, 20 years. So, uh, you know, imagine buying a pair of Nikes on on the internet and then having them print off, like, on your desk and being able to wear them, like, an hour later. They're pretty cool stuff that they're coming up with. So, uh, cool documentary. Like I said, it's a Netflix original. Print the Legend is my recommend. Uh, Richard, go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, I know you guys think I'm going to do Property Brothers on Netflix, but I'm not. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, there's a book out today. I haven't uh, read it all the way through it. I've got to flip through it and things like that. But I'm going to recommend it because uh, this guy is, uh, he may make it into the American Treasure Hall of Fame one of these days. Um, He is uh, someone who, current American Treasure, Uncle Tony, has has called the uh, quintessential American sports writer. And if you like sports, in any way, you're probably familiar with with Mr. Bob Ryan, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Ryan's uh, memoir of Boston uh, about, Globe fame, of Boston Globe, fame there you go, and ESPN fame as well. And right. it's just an incredible, uh, especially basketball and baseball being his two specialties. Uh, just a great writer, a really interesting. He's you know, uh, uh, he's a francophile. Lives in you know France part of the year. Speaks fluent French. Like one of those random people that just is really smart at a lot of different things. It happens to enjoy sports. Um, but just one of the best, you know, when when I think sports writer, I think you kind of picture Bob Ryan, he kind of is at, right out of central Casting, like with his look and the way he talks <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and he's great. And anyway, he has a memoir about his life, um, covering sports out today. And, and I love Bob Ryan. And I think he's just an absolute, uh, classic, uh, American classic and, and hopefully American treasure, probably one of these days. And it's called scribe. Um, it's out today. And if you have an interest in, in, in sports, or really just kind of the cover of culture, like Bob Ryan's the writer I would recommend non-sports writer likers to read,
2: yeah, uh, yeah because yeah. his
1: passion, um, he 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 could really. There's people like that. There's political reporters and and news writers and reporters that really. They happen to be assigned their subject when they came into the business, and, and that's what they do. But uh, Bob Ryan would probably be an incredible political writer. He'd probably be an incredible movie reviewer, and, sure. and he's just one of those people, you know. Um, and so uh, his life and in, in, in covering some really great, you know, Boston is, you know, Larry Bird and Tom Brady and, and these kind of huge national figures, um, but he'd cover them on a local level. Um, and, uh, that's, that's interesting to me. So I, I, I recommend sell, buy this book. Even if you're not going to read it, buy it. Cause Bob Ryan's awesome and, uh, you'll be the better for it.
0: Yeah. I would recommend Dan Lebitard. Talking <laughs> classic American sports writers his
2: novels sports. or his nonfiction stuff. Yeah.
0: His, his novels. I call them novellas actually.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm but, a Frank
0: Izola guy, but whatever. <laughs> oh man. Sports writer humor. We're awesome. <laughs> not a niche not a niche market at all comedy aimed at sports writers total uh, crickets from our yeah.
1: yeah I'm staring up at my Kevin Blackstone poster
2: right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brian go ahead
2: Uh I'll give you a two very quickly uh just to keep in in with the uh sports theme 30 for 30 started back up tonight with a Story based on, not based on, a documentary about Henry Hill, who was the uh, the guy Ray Liotta in the God in uh, the Godfather, Goodfellas. Good Sorry, yep. uh, stumbled over that one. Uh, Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas fixed a bunch of Boston College basketball games back in the 70s. It's really cool. I haven't watched the movie, obviously, but this, the uh, the story is really interesting. And 30 for 30 is always totally gold, even though most of what happens on ESPN is crap these days. Uh, 30 for 30 is pretty solid. Uh, and Hashtag also wanna, Free Simmons. Yeah, Free Simmons. Free Simmons. Um, I also want to recommend a an album that I've been streaming on Spotify. Thanks, Kent, for recommending Spotify Damn. because – as I said earlier, I'm 55. Yeah, so I and recommend don't know how to use. everyone get Spotify. <laughs> yeah, get Spotify. What, what, did you go
1: with the free plan? or Did you pay? Or?
2: Yeah, I haven't paid anything yet. I just I had had a couple of days where I was actually like in the office with my computer, which doesn't happen just a whole lot. I'm usually yeah. kind of moving around constantly, uh, so I s- set it up on my computer and uh, and listened to a little bit of uh, a, a band called Delta Spirit. Which is super white people indie rock music uh, that uh, I, I their last album was spectacular, just a really really good album, and I've one of my favorites. I've listened to it more than just about anything else over the last couple of years. Uh, the new one is called Into the Wide. It just came out last month. This is the first time that I listened to it, it was uh, through uh, through Spotify last week, and it's really strong. Um, it doesn't quite have the same pep i guess that uh the last album had it's a little bit more of a somber affair overall but the the ballady stuff is really good so uh check out delta spirit and uh their new album into the wide and and if you like that definitely go back and look at some of their past albums and uh and check that stuff out as well really good stuff
0: yeah i was a big fan of the self-titled the last one they did yeah i mean that's a
2: great album this one was really good too though i i dug it yeah uh, i I like
0: it as well it's different but it's yeah uh, it is it's it's good. We used to, I used to play the crap out of uh, Delta Spirit on the
2: radio show. That's right. I remember uh, that. Yeah, they've so. recently moved to Texas, and I think oh, that yeah? kind of comes through a little bit in Midland. this this new album. So yeah, they're <laughs> they're actually rubberneckers now. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh,
0: so okay, cool. Those your recommends. Those are both yeah. both solid. Uh, I will recommend the um, thirty on thirty for thirty. They release a short about the Herschel Walker trade. Oh, and they released that today as well I haven't got a chance to watch it too but I'm excited to to look that up uh, right when we get off this show so on that note Brian where can I find your work online
2: you can find me on Twitter at bgil 12 and you can find my writing at canbabysdrinkredbull.com Richard where can we find you you can
1: find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or at (laughs) montrealexpos.com
0: Kent where can I find you you can uh, find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and you can find our show online At MadaboutMoviesPodcast.com. Find all of our episodes on our website and uh, find our weekly recommends on there and American Treasures on there as well. And on that note, guys, until next time, we will see you at the cinema.
1: Goodbye. Bye. baby girl you yo yo
0: yo